0: this is Rachel McElroy.
1: Hello, this is Griffin McElroy.
0: And this is wonderful.
1: Everything's all topsy-turvy, folks. Everything's all up and twisted around, isn't it? Cats and dogs are dogs and cats now. They switched. The sun and the moon traded.
0: Griffin is seated across from me. Unfortunately, getting most of my bad side, Hell not my nah. good side.
1: Oh, babe, you don't got a bad side. Only bad side of you is uh, your. Well, I was gonna say the back of you when you leave me, but some scientists <laughs> might argue that your backside is actually a very good side. <laughs> that there's cool stuff back there that folks are big fans of. We switch places, switch microphones switched everything it's a freaky freaking friday over here folks we're having fun because it's our last episode before the 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 holiday break that's right we're not going to give you an episode next week
0: yeah because our episode would be launching on christmas day i believe and that's not right folks i'm not trying to get visited
1: by three ghosts (laughs) and neither is my beloved bride that shit's super spooky. Yeah. And I'm not wild about it. By the way, quick update. Uh, this is for Rachel, but I guess uh, I, I guess friends of the family listening to this, Henry likes kind of spooky stuff, right? And he's getting into like some Christmas stuff because it's the holidays coming up and he's about to go to Huntington and spend Christmas with his family. So he's into that. Hey, Christmas Carol it's those two things. It's a spooky Christmas. Yeah, that's mo- Everyone's true. always like Nightmare Before Christmas. That's the spooky Christmas movie. I freaking forgot all about Christmas Carol. Yeah. Henry's all about it. We
0: watched the Mickey one, and I guess he's watched the Muppet one now. He watched
1: the, the Muppet one. Wow. That's both. This doesn't really have a big cone, a big pickup cone, huh? You kind of got to eat this microphone, huh? I don't. Is this what you've been suffering
0: through? I don't. I don't eat it.
1: Oh, okay. Um, hey, do you have a small wonder?
0: I do. What's that? Rallies. Rallies the roast beef restaurant. <laughs> no. A lot of people are rallying this evening. Oh my god, babe. I
1: literally went to the restaurant rallies <laughs> slash checkers. No. Of course that's what you're of course you're talking about the rallies that are very good yeah. and important. But my mind immediately went to rallies slash checkers. I think I called it a roast beef restaurant. That's inaccurate. They have no, many it's things. Arby's. That I was thinking of Arby's
0: um i've seen a lot of people on on twitter and facebook out in the world in the cold rallying and i just hey keep it up you're wonderful
1: you're wonderful and you're crushing it uh i'm gonna say that new watchman show on hbo babe it's real good i think you might like it i I'm think i'm gonna you, need
0: you to remove that spoon from the mug
1: oh yeah i don't want to get out you um uh it's really good. it's good. I liked the graphic novel when I read it when I was in college and was a you know a bit edgier than I am now. I had a bit more edge to me, and it's just like a really good Companion piece of that, that I do not think you actually need to know a lot about the thing. It's Damon Lindelof, right? So it's the guy who did Leftovers, but also Lost, and oh. it's got it's got big Lost energy, but like the good the good stuff, the like beginning of season two level Lost stuff. I'm like really really digging it.
0: Can I ask what Edgy or Griffin was like?
1: He had the occasional clove cigarette, and um, <laughs> you know, you would go to the park and just look menacing in a corduroy jacket
0: okay that's, that's about you know, as that's about I'm as there thank
1: uh, you yeah it's about as hardcore as i got hey can i tell you about my first thing yes what is my first thing <laughs> i have two things my uh, one of my things is a thing that i feel like is going to be harder to get you on board about so i'm going to do that first because i feel like uh, <laughs> second one usually i can lose attention First thing is a video game called Stardew Valley, folks. It's back. It's better than ever. Have you
0: not talked about
1: this? I talked about Animal Crossing, so maybe this is cheating. But I do think Stardew Valley is uh, its own sort of thing, and I want to talk about why it is uh, it is special to me. This is a like a farm RPG, life still sim. farming, uh, very much a farming game. Animal Crossing is not so much about farm. You don't really have a farm. You can like grow fruit trees and flowers and stuff like that, but <laughs> which listen, might
0: call a farm. <laughs> okay, it's a
1: semantics difference, I suppose uh but stardew valley is like you have a a farm industry that you sort of uh brew up and it's an indie game that came out in i think 2016 uh and it has been a really really great game that i loved the first time i played it and uh they just released a big update for it this week so i'm gonna go back to it and check out all this this new stuff that came out but The reason I want to talk about Stardew Valley is because I think it's a really, really kind of special thing. Uh, It is based on... First of all, it was made by uh, a guy named Eric Barone, who uh, mostly it was made by a single person, which is kind of remarkable because it's been sold several million times now. And it's in this farming genre that started in 1996. Uh, There was a developer named Amkus that put out a Super Nintendo game called Harvest Moon. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. Or anybody talk about that? No, not at all. It was this... uh, life sim rpg where you inherited a farm from your grandfather in this like tight-knit community and you had to sort of ingratiate yourself to this community while like fixing up and starting this farm and that was such a novel idea back in 1996 where it was a role-playing game but instead of like you know dragons and mummies and stuff it was like hey start here's a farm go start it up and people like really fell in love with it and the series sort of uh took off uh, after a it while sounds like
0: Field the dreams a little bit huh you know i would uh i would
1: give you that I would give you. Kevin
0: Costner bought a bunch of farmland. I mean, he didn't end up farming successfully, but he did. He did mostly uh, baseball stuff. Baseball players back from the dead. So
1: that's and that's something. I mean, it's better than nothing. Uh-huh. The farm was a failure, and nobody likes to talk about that in that movie. But he did not do a good job no, farming. No terrible farmer. He did a good. He did good necromancy.
0: Yeah, good medium.
1: I think you can give him that, but he didn't produce the crops that he wanted to produce. And in that sense, he is a tremendous failure. And nobody wants to talk about that. They only want to talk about his dad. But me, I look at him, I see dollars and cents. You fucked up, Kevin try again no don't because who knows what sort of grim specter you're going to raise this time anyway uh, it created this new genre right this farming RPG uh, and people really liked it and they continued to make games to date they have made 26 different games in the Harvest Moon franchise it has changed names uh, I think a couple times but it's still like this the same thing the problem is that uh, they started to get bad they started to not be good anymore uh, and development like changed hands and the teams that made it sort of changed but no Nobody, there wasn't much competition. There wasn't a whole lot of other people making these like farming RPGs for people like myself who enjoy a good farming RPG life sim. Uh, we had nowhere to go, and Eric Barone was one of these people who was like, Ah, I, I miss Harvest Moon. I just graduated from you know game development school and haven't been able to get a job. I'm just going to make the this game in this genre that nobody's making right now. And he did it and made the best one of them.
0: What's like? What's like the first farming game that you like? we into. Uh, I mean, uh,
1: I played Harvest Moon, I believe, on Nintendo 64. There was basically mm-hmm. one on every sort of Nintendo generation. And the last kind of like good one was out on GameCube. Uh, I had one for the Game Boy Advance called Friends of Mineral Town. That is Whoa. like one of the best. And okay. folks are like wild about that one. I borrowed that from a theater friend named Bubba. Uh, he let me borrow his his uh, his game tape of Friends of Mineral Town, and I played the hell out of it, had a lot of fun with it, and it sort of set the stage for me to fall in love with Animal Crossing. We are less than 100 days out, people. Get <laughs> fucking stoked. Um, I just really like that uh, Eric Barone, like, uh, with, with some help, but mostly just him working like 10 hours a day for five years, revived a... A video game genre single-handedly and it's one that i really love and i think that it's like uh, and this is sort of i don't know i think it's easy for a uh professional game, game critic which i am no longer one of those i suppose to sort of get up their own butt and be like it's all call of duty shoot shooting murder games which it's not obviously it's not but like I think it's important for weirder sort of game genres like this to thrive in a way because i like the message that that sends about what games are viable and about what projects are worth like investing time and energy and resources and creativity into and this like nailed it like it is the perfect one of these games uh and not only that since it came out uh eric barone has been updating it with like a bunch of stuff so this new thing that just came out adds like dozens and dozens of new features and items and events and all kinds of big things and it's free like it's and the game came out 5 years it came out 3 years ago now so it's like everybody who's bought it is probably going to buy it he's just Can updating it to be with good with other people That was one of the things he added I think it was like the fourth update to the game a couple of years after it came out he added multiplayer he didn't have to do that right like the game had already sold millions and millions and millions yeah. of copies but I I think it's just I don't know it is a rare thing that is so uh admirably made and admirably like sustained and i i guess in practice like eric barone has fuck you money now at this point so uh it's it's maybe just a passion project keeping this thing going for him but it's it's it is wild how beefy this game is and continues to get uh when you know it already was like really really great and i think that that's a special thing because it
0: could have just been like oh now you can play as a man with a mustache
1: They did add several new, I believe, facial hair options in this update, (laughs) but they added new pants as well and several different (laughs) new dogs. I'm very excited to explore all of it. Uh, What is your first thing?
0: My first thing is Jumbotrons.
1: The maximum fun thing or the actual physical big boy screen objects?
0: The big boy screen. Okay. I do think it's funny that now we have talked about rallies and jumbotrons and you have assumed it was potentially the other thing.
1: The jumbotrons one I can be forgiven for. The rallies one is unforgivable.
0: (laughs) So I was thinking about this the other day yes, uh, while we were watching hockey. Oh, yeah. Because one of my...
1: Don't tell everybody what I just did. (laughs) Don't tell them what I've done, Rachel, please. Don't tell them what I've done, Rachel, please. I won't. I won't. You have to tell them what I've done.
0: You remember when Griffin made fun of me for using my phone as a coaster? (laughs) Sweet retribution. Griffin found another coaster that is, granted, less expensive, but also ridiculous, and that is a sock he found on the ground.
1: Actually, it just came off my foot.
0: Oh, he just took it right off Well, his
1: foot. I was making rings on my desk, and so I took my sock off to wipe it off, and then I put it over here on this thing. I was like, <laughs> it's just going to make rings there. So I took my sock off, used it as a coaster. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm broken deeply inside. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> Sorry. I derailed it.
0: <coughs> okay, so I was thinking about Jumbotrons, because we were watching hockey the other day, one of my favorite things after a player scores a goal is is when the camera pans to them and you can see them looking up at the Jumbotron and they're trying to watch their own replay. Yes,
1: I love that too. That's so good. It's like
0: everything in hockey moves so fast and when you shoot at the net, you really have no idea whether it's going to go in. And when it does, I feel like everybody immediately rushes back to the bench so they can watch their goal again.
1: It's such a, I mean, obviously like any athlete who does a good job, I imagine wants to watch themselves do a good job, but hockey is so uniquely necessary that you do this because like people i i don't know how anybody scores in hockey and if they didn't have the loud loud sirens telling you you've just scored you would have no (laughs) fucking idea
0: a lot of times you'll see players like raise their hands up in celebration uh because they assume it went in yeah when that's (laughs) not true at all
1: when they whip all the way around the back of the goal and just kind of scooch it in on the other side there's no way they know that that actually went in or not
0: (laughs) Uh, And so I did a little little research into the history of the Jumbotron.
1: Is it the history of TVs, but just very big? Sort of. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay.
0: So it makes sense, like the progression that got us to Jumbotron. Um, So first, electric lighting made it possible to watch sports inside. And then after World War II, television coverage of sports began in earnest. By 1980s, team owners and stadium architects wanted to make games more like what fans had at home. So, (laughs) okay. So, you're like, well, you're watching the game at home and you can see the players close up. You know, you can see the pitcher and, and like, you're very connected to who's batting and what people look like when they slide into a plate. And then you get to a stadium and you can't see any of that.
1: Yeah, that's true. I do catch myself watching the the Jumbotron more than I actually watch the thing.
0: Uh, So, While Sony kind of popularized it, it was Mitsubishi in 1980 introduced the first large-scale video board called the Diamond Vision, which was demonstrated at the 1980 Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Los Angeles.
1: I have to watch that because I imagine it was like the opening of 2001 A Space Odyssey of just everybody like, that motherfucking TV. Do you see that fucking thing? (laughs) Oh my God, I'm going to
0: barf. Or the screen was so bad that all the little baseball players look like Mario, just like (laughs) jumping. (laughs) Yeah,
1: It's really big. It is 16 pixels total. (laughs) So that's not, it's not, it's not our best.
0: So Sony actually created what they called the Jumbotron. And what made that unique was that it was more like a TV screen, like a big TV screen. Okay. Uh, and what's interesting? So it first appeared at the World Expo in Japan in 1985, uh, and this was a fully digitized screen. And then, kind of the next place it sprung up was at mega churches. So wow. at the Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California, uh, it was 12 stories tall. This church.
1: Well, oh, I thought you were going to say the the jumbotron no. was.
0: No. And so kind of when you look at the early records of installations of jumbotrons, this is one of the first locations. Uh, At the time, the price ranged from 500,000 to two and a half million. And it was estimated that there were 60 jumbotrons nationwide. Um, The standard size back then was 27 by 36 feet. And so, pretty much every sports arena had this, uh, except for Wrigley Field. It wasn't until April 2015 that they finally got a jumbotron. Always just gotta be. <laughs> I know. They did a huge renovation because that stadium is is not gr-
1: Chicago. I love you. It's not a great ball field.
0: Can you guess when it Wrigley Field was built?
1: I'm going to say 1921.
0: 1914. Yeah. Lord. Super old guy. It's
1: beautiful. It's great. But don't get me started on the, the. let's just say the facilities <laughs> where one might <my> excuse oneself.
0: <laughs> I have never been to a game there. I've just seen a lot of drunk fans on the L after the game.
1: I mean, that's its own kettle of fish. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to talk about the video board at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium.
1: I have seen this because it's a
0: big boy. Uh, so remember, I said twenty-seven by thirty-six was the standard. Seventy-two by one hundred and sixty
1: feet inches. Yes, feet,
0: feet, feet. Yeah, <laughs> you thought it was inches. <laughs> feet,
1: daggone. Well, in my defense, it couldn't possibly be feet.
0: What the fuck? Uh, it weighs 1.2 million pounds. What? That's so much. <laughs> <nice. laughs> Holy shit. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh.
1: my God. If I could send one object back in time to the 80s, it would be this thing. <laughs> it would destroy the planet.
0: Everybody would be on their huge cell phone, and then they'd look over and be like, "What?" Whoa. <laughs> Uh, this thing cost $40 million, uh, which was more than the original cost of the building.
1: Okay. Good <laughs> investment, I'd say.
0: So maybe you don't need one that big? I mean, uh,
1: it's tough to say. When you see John Cena's big, powerful body <laughs> slam a man to the ground <laughs> on that TV, and you feel the shockwaves from said slam, and you see it on the big TV, ooh, I don't know. It, was, it felt like $40 million worth to me. Mm-hmm. To me.
0: Um, there's a lot of other, uh, stuff to talk about related to Jumbotron that I'm not going to get into. There's a really good article from 2015 in uh, on SB Nation that I read a lot about. And it talks about all the little like features that they do on Jumbotrons, like Kiss Cam, for example. Oh yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, but I do, I do like that there is a screen that let me lets me see close up what is happening because that means that no matter how bad my seats are, yeah, like I can still I can still see that concert. I can still see that. The little, concert
1: thing is the big one for me. Pass. I used to be able to get you know uh, competitive about my spot at a big right? like outdoor concert. There's like now I would much rather like chill on a blanket with some drinks and some buds yeah. and just watch the big screens. That is way more my jam. You mentioned Mentioned uh, jumbotrons in churches, and it reminded me of the fairly, I don't know, small to mid-range sized Southern Baptist church that I grew up in. Uh, when I was like t- t- thirteen or fourteen, they added two like projector screens, like you would have in like school, yeah. just like roll-down screens where they would put up like the the hymns, like the lyrics for uh-huh. the hymns, so that you didn't have to use their, your hymnal. And it led to just a full-blown meltdown for the like.
0: <laughs> why
1: some of the older uh, patrons of the oh
0: ge- did they think it was an eyesore
1: I think they thought that you you know it's like how people don't like the the new the new math what's it called the Common Core math stuff now it's just like we had to use the book yeah we had to flip through this six hundred page book anytime it was singing time you must also
0: well there was a lot of outrage about the jumbotron at sporting events too because a lot of the players and coaches felt like it was really distracting you know for a long time when it was like a new invention. Yeah like, how sure. could you not look at this giant it's the TV? the
1: one. The big <laughs> TV. Uh huh. Put fucking Frasier up there. Let's go <laughs> Can I steal you away? Yes.
0: Griffin? Yeah. You know it's a shame. What?
1: Here's a personal message. Speaking of Jumbotrons, this one's for Amanda, and it's from Patrick, who says, Amanda, thank you for all the love and excitement you have brought into my life this past year. From photo shoots of our cat to evening coffee and snacks, I love every minute of it. I can't wait to see all the places we want to go together from Phoenix to Toronto. I love you forever. Phoenix or Toronto. You get them both. The hot, the cold, the Have you been
0: to either of the spicy. cities?
1: I've been to Phoenix, done done shows in Phoenix. They know me in Phoenix. <laughs> I went to I, Phoenix.
0: I've been to Toronto. I went to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. See,
1: we know. Spicy, cheese and gravy. <laughs> hot,
0: cold, you know? Uh-huh. Both poles, you know? Yeah. No, good energy. Uh, can I read the next message? Yes. It is for Steffi. It is from Brie. To my big baby Steffi, the cutest and smartest girlfriend. Thank you for the endless kitty cat pictures of Hobbs and the unboxing videos. I can't wait to put a ring on it and not just on Stardew. Cheers to watering our greens. I will now plant big smooches on your face. I love you and thank you for loving me too. Yours truly, big baby Brie.
1: Yeah, I mean, water your greens, but only until you build you know, that ladder up to that wine game. It's all about that artisan wine. That's where the real money is.
0: What is putting a ring on it in Stardew?
1: Getting fucking married.
0: You can get married in Stardew? Yeah.
1: I mean, I wouldn't because I'm married in real Thank life. Thank you. And that's, that's cheating, folks. Thank you. No one can tell me it's not. <laughs> No one can tell me it's not because it's digital love is still love. Anyway, Jumbotrons for our show are going to be available to air during the first half of 2020. We're doing the drawing again because y'all are here for it. Uh, Starting, oh, Jesus, today. No, wait. Yes. <laughs> Wednesday, December 18th. That uh, is today. That is today. You all can head to maximumfunorg slash Jumbotron drawing to enter a drawing to purchase one of the limited Jumbotron spots on wonderful. This Is how we have to do this? Because the demand is uh, much, much bigger than the supply. So, uh, that, that drawing closes on Thursday, January 2nd, 2020. Uh, we're only accepting personal messages at this time. And the, the air date is estimated, not guaranteed, but for, for all the details, go to maximumfunorg slash Jumbotron drawing. And, uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and email Daniel at maximumfun dot org.
0: Reminder, it closes January second. So if you're the kind of person that unplugs from Christmas through New Year's, go ahead and do that now. Just do it. Sign up for that drawing.
1: Have you ever watched a movie so bad you just needed to talk to somebody about it? Well, here at the Flop House, we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. We'll watch it and we'll talk it. We do the hard work. Featuring the beautiful vocal talents of Dan McCoy, Stuart Wellington,
0: and me, America's Rascal, Elliot Kalin.
1: New episodes every other Saturday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you
0: get your podcasts, dude. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. This one's gonna, you're, you're gonna like this one. You're here for this one.
0: Okay. Ricola. Am I, am I here for it?
1: Do you not like Ricola?
0: I mean, I like the product. Ricola. I don't like what you're doing. Do you remember? Doing, I don't like what you're doing. But do you, right rem, now. but do you, I do, yes. But do yes. You remember I remember it. Yes. Griffin, the I remember. The big horn. Yes.
1: The silly pants.
0: Yes. I remember.
1: He does it so loud. And it's like, why? Isn't it an avalanche danger? Because his pipes are so cleared out from these sweet cough drops. Yeah, I think so, too. I am glad you remember that commercial. I think about it sometimes and just laugh myself awake from the dream I was having were about Were you expecting Ricola. we
0: would talk about this commercial longer?
1: <laughs> I... Y'all know, I think from the Sudafed episode, which may have been the first episode of this show, how I feel about most over-the-counter remedies for things. I'm a little suspicious, right? Or not suspicious, but like if I have a headache or something, I'll go pop a couple ibuprofen. But I'm not like doing that like, ah, this will fix it for sure. It's like, yeah, I'll take these and maybe it'll help. Maybe it won't. I don't know. It's sort of of, uh, hit or miss for me. Sudafed guaranteed a hit it's going to be a success whenever i take it it's going to do something to me uh it'll make me healthier or it'll keep me up all night it's going to do something, <laughs> something. <laughs> Ricola I also hold with the same amount of reverence If I have a cough If I am congested in the chest If I have a sore throat like I am I have one in my pocket right now I'm not eating it until I'm done with this segment about Ricola Which is maybe ironic um, <laughs> But I don't want the sound of it rattling around in my mouth On the microphone
0: I will say unlike Sudafed I believe that this cough drop Really only holds back your symptoms While the cough drop is in your mouth
1: Yes it is a stopgap measure Yes, Absolutely
0: Do you think anyone says Ricola?
1: No. (laughs) No one on earth has ever said it. Uh, My child mind operates like this. Uh, I don't want Halls because Halls has chemicals in it. I want Ricola.
0: Oh, interesting. Because
1: Ricola is... Do
0: you think they're made out of like dandelions? It's
1: just Swiss herbs, baby. And that's health, isn't it? (laughs) Not Halls. Made in a lab somewhere. Ricola? These little brown craggy sort of turd-colored little lozenges. The
0: more you say it, the weirder it's starting to sound in my head.
1: Ricola. Uh, Here's some fun facts about Ricola. It is a portmanteau. Or not a portmanteau. It is... They've taken letters from several different (laughs) words. The company started in 1930. It was a confectioner's uh, shop called... uh, And I'm going to butcher this and I apologize. uh, Richterich and Company Laufen, which you take the first two letters of those three words. Ricola... That's where the name comes from. Uh, they, they were a confectioner back in the 30s, but in 1940, they started to put out this Swiss herbal sweet, which had a blend of 13 herbs and spices. No, just 13 Ooh, herbs. can
0: I guess them? Do you have them in front of you?
1: I do have them in front of me. It is the same recipe, except in America. America has a slightly different recipe. But let's see if you can guess. Uh, well, uh, obviously, the main active ingredient in it is n- not, I guess, technically an herb. You know what it is? It's just menthol. Oh, yeah. okay. That's what gives it that like, you know, effervescence that actually does shit. Yeah. The flavor comes from these 13 herbs. Let's see if you can guess some of them.
0: Well, lemon's not an herb, right? No,
1: it's not an herb. <laughs> Most people are still trying to figure out if it's a fruit or a flower.
0: Uh, ginger?
1: Is ginger one of them? Can we confirm ginger? No.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Some of these are wild.
0: Wild like...
1: Like, like, like crazy, you will not, you've never heard of them.
0: wild. Oh, yet. okay. Um, mint,
1: uh, there is a type of mint in it. Can you guess which mint? <laughs> no, peppermint.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna stop now. This isn't fun. <laughs> uh, well, there's some, you know,
1: there's some hits in here. Sage is a, an ingredient, thyme is an okay. ingredient. Uh, and then you get into sort of wilder ones like ladies' mantle. What? I don't know, but it must taste good because they put it in this Whorehound, of course. I think that is where actually some of the flavors derived because Whorehound candies were uh, I think some derivative of this. Uh, and then stuff like Cowslip, Burn It, Yarrow, Marshmallow, Uh, Speedwell, a.k.a. Veronica. Huh?
0: Veronica.
1: I'm Veronica Speedwell. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I like that a lot, too. Uh, So, anyway, in America, we don't get all 13. We get seven of the original 13 uh, with three new herbs in the mix, which are linden flowers, wild thyme, and hyssop. I don't know why... I guess thyme... They wanted to flavor blast it, I guess, for American taste palates, and they're like, let's get that wild thyme (laughs) in there. Uh, Ricola has uh, six show gardens in Switzerland where you can go and learn about the the special herbs and uh, the power that they give you. I would love to go to one one day, get one just fresh off the tap. Uh, I just really, I like these things. I get excited uh, when I know that we have them when I'm feeling under the weather because I can put one in my mouth and they will stop me from coughing for a little bit. I think that that's pretty great. Lemon Ricola are just okay. I would much rather prefer the brown craggy one. Um, but, and now to celebrate that I finished this segment and most of my speaking for this episode, I'm going to indulge. Farewell, everyone.
0: So if Griffin doesn't say anything in the next few seconds, that means that he agrees with everything I'm saying. So I'm, Ring. I'm just going to say uh, that Griffin is smelly. Hey. Uh, and I don't like this. Only likes olives.
1: The smell is from my coaster. <laughs> your sock coaster. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> hey, what's your second
1: thing? My
0: second thing mm-hmm. is a trip to the poetry corner. Hell yeah. Do you want me to do the song since you're busy with your I am track? sucking
1: on a Ricola, and also I want you to feel the dreadful weight of having to do the poetry corner theme song.
0: A boom, 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 boom. Poetry.
1: Holy shit, that was so good.
0: Yeah, see, this is why my expectations of you are so high. Well,
1: now I have to start bringing poems to the show so that you can (laughs) do that. I
0: love that.
1: If I brought a poem to the show, it wouldn't be good.
0: It wouldn't be a good poem.
1: Because I don't think I have very good taste in poems. You're a man with good taste. In certain things, in uh, independent farming RPGs,
0: (laughs) but not in poems. The poet I am bringing this week is Maxine Kuhman. Uh She was born. That's
1: not one of the spices in Ricola. <laughs>
0: it's actually K-U-M-I-N. So it might be cumin. Or- oh. I'm not sure which. Uh, she was born in Philadelphia in 1925. Got her B.A. and M.A. from Radcliffe College. Uh, she is somebody I found because she is associated with the confessional poets, um, because she was pals with them. So Anne Sexton, Sylvia Plath, Robert Lowell. Uh, but she's not particularly a confessional poet herself. So she met Anne Sexton at the Boston Center for Adult Education. There was this like poetry workshop that they both were in uh, at this adult learning center, That's basically. Um Even though she got started, you know, a little bit later in life, um, her first book didn't come out until she was, um, well, I guess almost 40. So not like particularly late in life, but uh, getting published was still a challenge. She gave an interview where she said it was commonplace to be told by an editor that he'd like to publish more of my poems, but he'd already published one by a woman that month. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, She had a pretty great career, taught English at Tufts University, uh, and spent the last half of her life in New Hampshire breeding horses. Uh,
1: Who could ask for anything more?
0: (laughs) Uh, She won a Pulitzer Prize for poetry in 1973, served as a poetry consultant to the Library of Congress, and she's often compared to Robert Frost and Elizabeth Bishop. Uh, So I wanted to read one of her poems. Uh, So I wanted to give a little bit of a content warning before I read this poem. Um, It's a poem about loss and specifically uh, her friend, Anne Sexton, that I mentioned earlier that died by suicide. Uh, The poem is called How It Is. I'll
1: drop in a timestamp here for uh, after if that's not something you want to sit through. Uh, The poem ends at 37 minutes and 10 seconds, which is about a minute and a half from now if you want to skip ahead.
0: Uh, it's, it's a very beautiful poem. I wouldn't, I wouldn't read it typically. It's hard to read anything associated with the confessional poets because it it was a pretty kind of a dark, dark, heavy bunch. Um, but I found this particular poem very lovely, um, for anybody that's experienced and kind of lost. I feel like she does it in a really beautiful way. Cool. This poem is called How It Is. Shall I say how it is in your clothes? A month after your death, I wear your blue jacket. The dog at the center of my life recognizes you've come to visit. He's ecstatic. In the left pocket, a hole. In the right, a parking ticket delivered up last August on Bay State Road. In my heart, a scatter like milkweed, a flinging from the pods of the soul. My skin presses your old outline. It is hot and dry inside. I think of the last day of your life, old friend, how I would unwind it, paste it together in a different collage. Back from the death car idling in the garage, back up the stairs, your praying hands unlaced, reassembling the bits of bread and tuna fish into a ceremony of sandwich, running the home movie backward to a space we could be easy in, a kitchen place with vodka and ice, are words like living meat. Dear friend, you have excited crowds with your example. They swell like wine bags straining at your seams. I will be years gathering up our words, fishing out letters, snapshots, stains, leaning my ribs against this durable cloth to put on the dumb blue blazer of your death.
1: That's one of the best poems I've ever heard. Isn't That's that really so
0: beautiful.
1: Beautiful and so sad. Happy holidays. Yes. <laughs> you
0: know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I really like love the confessional poets and love. Um, a lot of the poets around them, but have been hesitant to talk about them on this show because, again, as I mentioned, a lot of dark material. Yeah. But Maxine Cumin's poem isn't morose particularly. You know, it's it it's more a recognition of of what it's it's like to be present in this time after you've lost somebody, um, and and kind of how your connection to them continues. And, and how i don't know how how you're forever changed by that yeah. uh and i i just felt like that poem was so beautiful and so vivid to me like i could like picture everything i could picture that blazer you yeah, know like absolutely. It, it, it's just it's just an incredible poem
1: yeah that was really nice thank you for reading that yeah see i wouldn't have found anything like that yeah. mine would have been some like um,
0: like an e, like a like an E Cummings.
1: I would have brought one, but it would have been a riddle, and then you would have been like, <laughs> "Sweetheart, that's not a poem. That's a, <laughs> you found a riddle." <laughs> Spitting the recall out, so I can read some submissions from our friends at home. Uh, here's one that was sent in by Max, who says, Something I think is wonderful is when you buy a used Pokemon cartridge and the previous owner leaves their save data on it. It's exciting to see their collection, nicknames, and my personal favorite, their main party. Getting a glimpse into how someone else played feels like recommendations from a fellow fan. I used to do this when we would rent games from Blockbuster. Yeah. You would get, like, save files off, like, somebody's, like, Final Fantasy VI cart and be like, ooh, that's the party you used. Wow. You leveled them up very, very high. How did you do that?
0: I never thought about that as a thing.
1: Absolutely, it was a thing. And then you would like go and you would like try and save your save file at the very bottom save file on the off chance that you would go back to Blockbuster and rent that exact cartridge again and finish up that game of you know uh, Super Mario RPG or whatever. Do
0: people still borrow video games?
1: Mm, I mean, Redbox I think is actually just now stopping their oh. uh, game rental service because it's which all
0: is like digital.
1: Uh, I, I mean, partially it's that, but partially I think it's just like uh, games are such a most games, like most successful games are such a like long tail thing, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense to rent Destiny or something. It doesn't make sense to rent Stardew Valley because you're probably gonna be playing it for such a long time. So like a cool spot finally cool spot. Game, there was a service called GameFly. I don't know if it's still. Oh, oh
0: yeah, I remember thing. that.
1: Yeah, they had all they had a lot of commercials, but the, it, theirs was pretty good because you could keep the stuff for as long as you wanted, and then I think like if you wanted to buy it, you could get like a discount for it they had like a lot of sort of hooks like that it was it was it was all right uh here's another one from frank who says my wonderful thing is driving under a bridge when a train is going by overhead growing up i was always told that driving under a train is extremely good luck so whenever this happens to me i get excited for a little burst of good luck heading my way soon that's so cool i've never heard that it's a good way to put uh, a silver lining on what i think is uh a kind of (laughs) a, a spooky thing yeah um but uh i suppose this is a nice way of looking at it i'll now change my change my frame of view thank you frank my frank of view that could be a new segment frank (laughs) you need to keep them (laughs) coming no i don't want to put that kind of pressure on you frank hey thanks to bowen and augustus for these for our theme song money won't pay you can find a link to that in the episode description um do you have anything to say do you do you have anything to say for yourself (laughs)
0: I wanted to thank MaximumFun.org for hosting our shows and all the other great shows. Uh, It is a perfect site to find excellent content every day of the week.
1: Yeah, it is. And uh we have other stuff at macaroid.family. We got uh, new new merch for the month of December.
0: I forgot that there there's a wonderful Christmas ornament.
1: Oh yeah. I
0: didn't realize that until somebody tweeted about it. And then I thought, oh hey, that's cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty
0: cool. We should uh we should get some of this stuff, huh? Yeah, probably. Figure that out. Yeah, I'll see.
1: I might be able to talk to some people. Uh-oh. <laughs> I can only talk like this now. Oh, no. Uh-oh. No, I've lost the lower register of my voice, but this is the last episode of for us. Actually, wait, are we gonna have an episode up on New Year's Eve? That oh, was fucking wild. We should. Yeah, we fun. should. We'll do it. Counting down, baby. Here comes the big ball. Bye everybody. <laughs> Money won't